that is Hebrews, the 13th chapter, 15th verse. And the word of God reads as follows. Through him, then, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of the lips that confess his name. Do not neglect to do good and share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I want to talk a little bit about uh, a sacrifice. We exist primarily for three reasons. To take care of those who cannot take care of themselves. Make disciples of Jesus Christ. And to worship our God. Pretty simple. Take care of those who can't take care of themselves. Make disciples of Jesus Christ and to worship our God. The book of James tells us in 127 that religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. To care for the orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Widows and orphans during the biblical times couldn't take care of themselves. It was a man-based economy, so if you were a widow or an orphan, you needed help. And that's what the church did. They took care of their own. They took care of their widows and their orphans. The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans that if our enemy is hungry, we are to feed them. And if they're thirsty, to give them something to drink. In doing so, we heap burning coals upon their head. Now, that verse is dealing primarily with how you treat people who don't treat you nice but it still deals with taking care of people when they need something. If they're hungry they need food. If they're thirsty they need drinking even though they're your enemy you take care of them. And we are also to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Jesus said it himself in the Great Commission in Matthew 28 16 through 20 it says and then the 11 disciples went away to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came to them and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me on heaven and in earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Uh, When I was in local pastor school, uh, had a pretty uh, flamboyant, uh, boisterous, loud, angry, uh, former military uh, teacher that taught our evangelism class. And uh, he he took no excuses about evangelism because he got appointed to a church that had maybe 30 people in it and it was a church he was supposed to pastor while he was going through seminary and when he finished seminary they were going to move him but he took this church that had 30 people in it and grew it to almost a thousand before he finished uh, before he finished seminary and so the course growing a church like that they um 
they wanted to speak to him. He have him come in and teach the people in the uh, uh, Central Texas Conference, which is the Dallas area, teach them about evangelism. And that's where I went to local pastor school in the Central Texas Conference. But I said all that to say the one thing that I took from his class was uh, mission statements. And he said he didn't care too much for churches having all of these long paragraph mission statements of, you know, a vibrant Christian community equipping people to do this, that, and other. He said, quite frankly, Matthew 28 should be your mission statement. And if your mission statement does not include Matthew 28, which is simply to make disciples of Jesus Christ, you need to go back and redo your mission statement. That was clearly his mission statement. That's all he did in the, in the time when the time for the documentation of the church. That was the mission statement, Matthew 28. Make disciples. He didn't mess with too much other stuff. And so that stuck with me. And so that is one thing that we are supposed to do along with taking care of other people is make disciples. Then we are to worship. Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like a precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of the garments. As the dew of Ermin and the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for the Lord commanded the blessing for even for life evermore. Brethren to dwelling together in unity. That's Psalms 133. That's what we're about, getting together to worship and dwell in unity. And even in Hebrews it says, let us hold fast for the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is helpful. He is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another and provoke unto love and the good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much more as you see the day approaching. That's Hebrews 10, 23 25. We are to gather together and worship the living God, our Savior. Even if we don't feel like it, we are to worship. And then there's even the scripture that I read in your hearing, offering a sacrifice of praise and the fruit of our lips. Why? Because he's good. And his mercy endures forever. We could all be dead sleeping in our graves. But while we're here, we ought to praise and worship him. We ought to worship the living God even when we don't feel like it. Because it's a sacrifice. What is a sacrifice? It's an act of offering to a deity or something precious. It's something offered in sacrifice. It's the destruction or the surrender of something for the sake of something else. The destruction or the surrender of something for the sake of something else. Something that is given up or lost. And the last definition was just a loss. Sacrifice. Some examples, the war required everyone to make sacrifices. No sacrifice is too great when it comes to your children. He made many personal sacrifices to help the city's homeless people. The war required much sacrifice from everyone. 
sacrifice, a loss, giving up something that costs, giving up something of value, even when we don't feel like it. It costs to sacrifice, but we owe God our worship. We owe it to him. Not just for what God has done for us, but for who God is. If God never did anything else for you, it's already done more than enough. He's he's worthy of the worship just by being God all by himself. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who was, who is, and who is to come. And even if you don't feel like it, you still ought to worship him. That is why they call it a sacrifice of praise. You're giving up something. You're destroying something. You're giving up your own personal attitude, your own personal bias, your own personal things that have been going on to focus on God. I know a little bit about sacrifice. I know a little bit about something about giving up or going without or going with a little less so that you can accomplish a bigger goal. So that you can advance, survive, and thrive. My father always had two and sometimes three jobs and a paper route. My mother always had a side business along with the the, uh, regular job. Why? Because my sister and I, we needed to eat. We needed shelter. We needed clothing. We needed an education. And so there was a sacrifice in order to do those things. Sacrifice. Even through the rough times, pulling together to make something happen. Because times was rough. When we moved down here to go to college, times was rough. I know how many times you can take a big gulp cup to the Chevron for refills before they tell you not to do that anymore. I know what it's like to split $5 between three people at McDonald's so that all three of us can eat. Sacrifice. But because of that sacrifice, three bachelor's degrees, two MBAs, a career as an educator and a performer in fine arts, an award-winning salesperson, and an okay preacher. Two families to continue on. Sacrifice. We had to pay the price even though it didn't seem like it was good. Even though it was not it was not comfortable at those times. We all put in that work because there was a means to an end. And we made it through through sacrifice. And then there are sacrifices that are unknown. I had no idea until I read my mother's book that for many years she kept fed and clothed and 
kept us from danger seen and unseen with the help of God on a $12,000 a year salary supporting three kids and keeping us under shelter and going to one of the best schools for middle school and for, for high school in Indianapolis sacrifice and so it's because of those kind of sacrifices that I have no problem with uh, successful people even pastors you know some people feel that a pastor should not be paid a lot of money but you never know what they had to give up to get there I um, was reading a a, a three-in-one combo book by Bishop T.D. Jakes a while back. And it was, uh, so you call yourself a man, and another one called He Motions, and another one called Loose That Man and Let Him Go. It was all three of them in one book. And I can't remember which one specifically it talked about it, but Bishop Jakes didn't start off with a 20,000-member church. He, he did not wake up one day and decide, I want to be a bishop and start making other churches all over the country. He didn't wake up one morning and decide, you know, I'm going to start a production company and make these movies. In those books, he talks about times of losing his house and getting his car repossessed and having to watch. Even though he got to go to work in the morning, he's got to watch them pull off his car on a tow truck with tears in his eyes because he sacrificed and there are many other pastors that have sacrificed like that so I don't I don't get bothered about them making that kind of money now because I don't know what happened to them before then you know I I know a particular youth pastor that uh, drives a really nice expedition with some nice rims on it and everybody talks about how nice his car is but he's quick to say you don't know about the times where I was driving around in the rain and in the snow getting to places to work and the windshield wiper didn't work and the window was stuck down so I got to drive outside of the window with my head outside just so I could see you don't know the story behind where people get to where they get to so I'm not I'm never going to be one to 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 uh, speak ill of whatever success some may think is is too much or too gaudy or they shouldn't be making that because I don't know what they went through to get there I'm reminded of a I can't call his name right now but it's a particular rapper that charges almost a hundred thousand dollars just to sing a verse on your song if that you want more you want two verses is even more but he said he charges $100,000 on his songs because he remembers the time he had to sleep on the studio floor because he had no other place to go had to go from couch to couch the sacrifice if you're going to work at anything there's a cost there's some trouble there's some work there's some destruction there's some loss any person you see that's successful in any field had to sacrifice had to make major sacrifices to get there and they had help someone was able to help them pick themselves up when they weren't able to pick themselves up themselves be hospitable towards them treat them take care of them 
almost like the good Samaritan bind their wounds and put them on their donkey and take them to the end. And that's where we meet in the text. It says in Hebrews 13, 1, let mutual love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For doing so, you may have entertained angels without knowing it. You never know who you're talking to. You never know who you're helping out. Well, you shouldn't help them out just for the, the, the benefit of what may come from it, but you help them out because that is one of the main three things we are here to do. Take care of those who can't take care of themselves. It says further to remember those who are in prison as though you were in prison with them. Those who are being tortured as though you yourselves are being tortured. You know, sometimes I really think uh, we as a church overall have this Christianity thing wrong. We spend a lot of time in buildings waiting for people to come to us. And here it says clearly that we're to go to them. We have to be out there in the community. You cannot be, and I will continue to say it, you cannot really be an effective Christian outside of community. People need help. And we as the church should be able to offer them that kind of help and worship the living God. You know, I saw something that was probably the most scariest thing I've seen in a while last week. There was this building at Harvard. Uh, like a community service building they rented out and there was an organization that met in this building on Sunday for an hour and a half they had music they took up money they even had somebody come talk for 30 minutes and then they had a closing song but this was an atheist church They called it a humanist chaplain. Did everything we do on a Sunday, even talked about getting out into the community and helping people and putting together a food pantry and doing all of these things. They did everything the church was supposed to do. Just no God. That was scary. And it was scary because some of the people that went, including the person that wrote the article for CNN, said that if I did not know I was going to a, a, a humanist church, because they even called the people a congregation. If I was going to a, if he said if I did not know I was going to a humanist church, I would have thought this was a great church to attend. They did everything. They had nice music, a praise team, all of that just no God that's what we're up against in 2013 scary so we have to go out and, and bring Jesus to the people even if we don't feel like it because if we don't secular humanists will There's a lot to be said there about worship, too. Do we know who we're worshiping when we worship? If you can sing songs and gather together and feel good about yourself and leave and not come back till next Sunday, but 
You gave it to nobody. We have to bring this love that we're experiencing to other people. Remember those who are in prison and though you are in prison with them, be empathetic towards them. We have to put ourselves in their positions. In the Houston area, out of 5 million people in the area, only 400,000 go to church. Or at least say they go to church. Because there's rich, there's a... There's other research out there that say people kind of overinflate their church involvement. And uh, as one of my professors said, if you went by what they said, uh, churches would be packed. But we have to be able to bring this to the people, even if we don't feel like it. We have to sacrifice. And it says to let marriage be held in honor by all. And let the marriage bed be kept undefiled. God will judge the fornicators and adulterers. You know, I like that verse and I like it for different reasons. I've seen many of people preach different angles about that marriage bed undefiled. But what I've learned in my research is, is this community of new Christians in the Rome, Roman area, they, uh, they were hard set against adultery. They kept a community together and they helped people that if you were going to be married, you needed to be faithful. Otherwise, you don't need to be married. And they were so, uh, that was, they did this so well that the community, um, the Roman governor at the time, whose name was Pliny, I may be pronouncing it wrong, but it's P-L-I-N-Y, told the Roman government, that, he, that they had the respect, both the Jews and the Christians had their respect because of their commitment and their honor to marriage. Because at the time, uh, Christianity was not very popular. Judaism was okay, the Judaism that they practiced was okay, but it wasn't very popular amongst the Rome because they felt like if you weren't worshiping whatever God the Roman emperor worshiped, you were actually pagan. Or in some cases, they felt you were atheists. And so that's what they called the Christians and the Jews at that time because they didn't worship any of the the Greek gods set up. But they still, even though they felt that they were disrespecting the Roman religion, they were like, but they know how to keep a marriage together. Let the marriage bed be kept undefiled. And it goes on to say to keep your lives free from the love of money. And be consistent with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. One of the most often misquoted verses in the Bible. I run into many of people that say the love of money, or money rather, is the root of all evil. That ain't what the Bible say. It say the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. I think that's part of why some people may despise other people getting any kind of uh, wealth as well. Because money must be the root of all evil. But it's often misquoted. The Bible says money answereth all things. How you handle money was also a, in some uh, cultures an indication of how close to God you were. What did you do with your money? It's often been said as well, if you open up your checkbook, I can tell you who you worship. 
moving on. <laughs> and so we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can anyone do to me? I like that because it's quoting Psalms 118 and 6. I called on the Lord in distress and he set me in a broad place. Some translations say uh, that it's a tight place. So that six verses is, uh, is talking about coming out of a tight place. Things may seem tight right now, but the Lord will set you in a broad place. Then you'll be able to say, the Lord is my helper. What can anyone do to me? Some translations say, what can any mortals do to me? They don't have a heaven or a hell to put you in. They're not defect, affecting your direct deposit. They're not raising your children. They're not the ones that raise. They don't have anything to do. What can they do to you? Put your faith on God because that is what matters. Things may be tight right now. They may be so tight it may seem like you can't breathe. But the Lord will set you in a spacious place and you'll be able to call him your helper. And remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you and considered their way of life. You must follow leaders as they follow Jesus. And that word leaders in the Greek I find interesting as well because it wasn't only just used for pastors. It was used for military generals or military leaders and political leaders. At one time, a spiritual leader had as much respect as a doctor, a lawyer, a politician, or a general. I don't know when that decided to decrease, but at some point it became okay to kind of drop that one down. But we must remember our leaders. And leaders must lead by example. The adage says, you know, you can't teach what you don't know and you can't lead where you don't go. So you must follow a leader as they follow Christ. And if they're not following Christ, you ought not follow them. Leaders should lead by example. And if you cannot follow the leader, go ahead and skip over that and follow Christ. Because the man or woman of God is just that, a man or woman. And they do falter, they do fail, they do get tired. Things do happen. But Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he did will last forever. I have forgotten episodes of television uh, shows. I have forgotten things that I've read. I've forgotten many of things. And I've done things that other people have forgotten. But I know 2,000 years ago, man was born of a virgin, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. And on the third day, he rose again. 
And because he did that, we're sitting in this room right now. And because he did that, people are sitting in the room all over. Worshipping him. Jesus is the one who holds up when all else fails. Jesus is the one that you can tell your problems to and it won't get back to anybody else. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. We ought to engage him. We ought to spend all our time and energy on him because only what you do for Christ will last. And we can't be carried away from all kinds of strange teachings. I thought about that strange teachings when I saw the um, the the humanist church, and it wasn't empty. I mean, it was filled, and they were talking about moving to another facility. I just. Um, I'm not an apologist. I used to be. I'm not an apologist now. An apologist is someone who likes to overly explain things. And apologists are most known for arguing with atheists. I don't really do that too much more anymore. Uh, you know, but if you're going to be an atheist, better be right. That's all I got to say about that. but we have to avoid the strange teachings and focus on Jesus. Jesus who sacrificed himself so that we could avoid death, hell, and the grave. It says he went outside the camp. He stepped out of his comfort zone. He stepped out of community. He stepped out of heaven and eternity so that he could take on our sins and the sins of the world so that we might have life everlasting. They compare it to the people that were making the sacrifices in the camp who left their own native lands. It says, therefore, Jesus suffered outside the city gate in order to sanctify the people by his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp and bear, and bear the abuse he endured, for we have no lasting city For we are looking for a city that is to come. And through him let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of our lips and can confess his name. We need to be able to go out of our way to offer praise to God. Because God went out of his way by sending Jesus Christ his son to die for us. His death was shameful. It was disgraceful. It was abusive. But he went through it so that we wouldn't have to. May not feel like going up, going to work every day, but we do it. We ought to. May not feel like worshiping God, our Savior, but we ought to. Jesus may not have felt like taking these beatings, but he did. He may not have felt like stepping out of eternity, but he did. And putting on mortal clothes, shedding the immortal and putting on mortal. Living a life healing the sick, raising the dead, opening blinded eyes, and all anybody else can say about it is, well, you did it on the Sabbath, and you shouldn't have been doing that. Being critical, and critical to the point that they wanted to put him to death, and they would let a thief go than rather he go. 
sacrifice. We are to praise him no matter what. That's why the scripture says that I will bless the Lord at all times. His praises shall continually be in my mouth. We worship for what he's already done for us. This life right now may not be the way we thought it is or the way that we want it to be, but we can still worship the living Savior because this life is temporary. He didn't feel like it, but he took on our sins and then rose again on the third day with all power in his hand so that those who can confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that God raised him for the dead they would be saved in the name of the Father in the name of the Son and in the name of the Holy Spirit the doors of the church are open and we invite you to come